Whole Foods Market celebrates Earth Month with the Do Something Real Film Festival, a collection of six provocative character-driven films focused on food, environmental issues, and everyday people with a greater vision. Come see one of the six features at City Cinema's Village East from Saturday, April 16th through Thursday, April 21st, every night at 6 p.m. Learn more about the films and special events at www.dosomethingreal.com. That's www.dosomethingreel.com. Sponsored by Whole Foods Market. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Um, we are the ladies of Groundworks, Inc. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice marcus Cree. And we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. The, this show broadcasts from the Heritage Radio Network, two shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street. Today's sponsor is Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market reminds you that every bite has a story. So whether it's a tomato, a muffin, or a T-bone steak, your conscious food choices can change the planet. Because at Whole Foods Market, every single purchase you make helps us support things like animal welfare, organic agriculture, equitable trade, and energy offsets. Let's think before we eat. Let's retake our plates. So today we've retaken our plates with an amazing slice of pizza from Roberta's <laughs> Pizza. And Ellis and I, we've eaten a lot of pizza here yeah. at the radio station. It's really we? good. <laughs> it's a good perk. Yes, it is. So We Dig Plants aims to bring the culture to horticulture. And in so doing, we're discussing today the idea of fences making good neighbors, which we have uh, certainly experienced in our work, Ellis, yeah. have we? We've got some stories today. Yes, and we have the perfect person with us today, a friend and a colleague and master carpenter, Al Terry, who actually builds fences and decks and pergolas and planters and all kinds of other things. Um, Al, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you joining us. And it's really nice to have a real live person here in the box, yeah. not just not just over the phone from like somewhere yeah. <laughs> remote. It's nice to have a person here. So Al is in the trenches with us. Sometimes we have a survey and sometimes we don't. <laughs> survey says. Um, it's really nice when we have a survey, don't we, Al? It is. It, it, it helps. It's an improvement. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so. sometimes the architect or the landscape architect takes responsibilities, <laughs> and sometimes they don't. Um, but the bottom line is that when it comes to inches in New York City, we'd rather be standing in the backyard in the trench with Al rather than anybody else. That's what they go to school for, those architects, to learn how not to take responsibility. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we have to ask that question, um, do you have a survey? It's actually our first question now when we're doing yeah, bids. absolutely. Because we used to assume, Al, that they had a survey, right? You assume that they have a yep. survey. Yep. You know what happens when you assume. assume. <laughs> now, for those who don't know what a survey is, Al, can you tell our audience what is a survey? Uh, it's a formal way of establishing the perimeter or the parameters of a of a plot of land of a property, and uh, in doing so, you establish uh, property rights, 
the rights of the owner versus the rights of the adjacent owners. Right, Very and, good. and that's a really clear way of explaining it because as Alice said, in New York City, inches matter. You know, if you've got acres of land, okay, so your neighbor puts his fence a few inches in, it doesn't matter that much. But when you have, you know, only 20 a... 20 by 40. Yeah, that, that you know, matters. Yep. Uh, especially so. if you're building something semi-permanent, like a good fence. You know, you want to make sure that it is on your property line. Yeah. So, Al, before we get into the meat of the fence, so to speak, let's talk about your carpentry experience and how you came to build fences here. Well, um, I was originally trained as a boat builder. Uh-huh. And so um, I found myself renovating boats at the boat basin back in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And shortly thereafter, I was invited to build essentially a grass hut village on a pier on the Hudson River, <laughs> uh, Pier 25. It was called the Amazon Village. It was the hottest club in New York at the time. Wow. And I Al, built, this is a side of you that I don't I, know. That's right. Did you have like an <laughs> annual membership, out so you could go? <laughs> uh, well, I was, the, I was hired as the primary carpenter, and I built my first fence, uh, fences uh, on the pier uh-huh. that jutted 1,000 feet out onto the Hudson River. Right, because you had to keep the drunks from falling off the pier, basically. The, the, you got it. it the, uh, the club was like a fortified village. Uh, there was a perimeter fence that had to be eight feet high to keep the people, those who, the unwanteds out. Right. And then, uh, so that part was kind of metal and barbed wire and stuff like that. On the inside, <laughs> good it urban. Was, it was bamboo and grass and right. paint, Tiki hut. painted, kitschy, you know, South Pacific. Or wait, what year was this? 19, I've, I've, 1991. Wait, I feel like I've, I might have been there, but I don't remember. The Amazon Village. <laughs> With your fake ID? <laughs> no, I, unfortunately, I didn't need ID then. Well, the, ra- the ratio, the club owner's policy was to let in th- uh, th- one guy for three women. Oh. So you can imagine the crowd of men outside that place. <laughs> yeah, right. At one o'clock in the morning, it was... Yeah. All trying to peer so, through your so fence. So those to fences see had to be very there. strong. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's no soil on a pier. It's just a poured concrete slab. So we take a, just set a post, you would take a jackhammer uh-huh. and jackhammer out a hole and then set the post. Right. And then pour concrete around it. So. Right. So well, it did keep the unwanted men out. Right. Yes. Well, they, <laughs> they were slipping extra money to the to the bouncers to get in. And the bouncers had a great deal going. Man, they got, yeah. they got good But, money. you know, when a place is called Amazon Village, I mean, that alone, like, will attract a certain amount of men. Yep. <laughs> well, let's go back to the fence for a second. A little history on the fence. The word itself comes from the Middle English fence, short for defense, uh, which, of course, means defense. Um, it's an archaic term meaning protection it's the kind of fencing you and it's the kind of fencing that you install that has a history um that goes back to the beginnings of mankind where among other uses it certainly was for defense in the beginning however it was also an important factor in developing agriculture and the cultural understanding of private property which is what you were just talking about now in modern times um the kind of fence that you erect is really a security barrier to keep people or animals in or out. That's the definition of a fence today. Um, It defines property lines, and it augments the appearance of a home or another building. Um, It's a safety device for children. It's a shield for privacy, a barrier to noise, and so forth. 
But Fence or Fencing is also the name of a rock band or a middleman in the distribution of stolen goods. Right. It's a sport Mm. of swordmanship in colleges and in the Olympic Games, fencing. Um, It's a... It's an arguing technique. Stop fencing with me. It could be a breed of lizard or a town in Wisconsin. The wow. Fence. <laughs> so there's some there's some kind of fun facts about the word fence. Um, and it is a word at the heart of a series of expressions from not taking sides to swinging a baseball hat bat as hard as you can. And it is a keyword in Proverbs from sources as diverse as China, France, and England. Each of these meanings has colorful stories, including the kind of fence you install. Um, And then, of course, there's the Robert Frost poem, Mending Wall. Um, I did bring a copy, but I don't think I'm going to read it because I think it's much more interesting to talk about some stories. Yeah, I want to hear Al's stories. Yeah, but <laughs> but remember, this is the this is the line, the famous line about fences, where fences make good neighbors. Right. So we just finished a job actually with Al um, last where, fall. Yeah, where fences <laughs> got kind of dicey, and we yeah. uh, had kind of neighbors peering at us with slitted eyes from either side and from the back where. <laughs> this retaining wall had crumbled, so we really had three sides of defense to argue in the and, yeah, construction and, of and defense. And the client didn't have a survey in this case, right? Unfortunately, although she she said she did, but it never appeared, did it, Al? Uh, that's right; it never yeah. appeared. So we had to do a lot of negotiating to um, to establish where the fence ultimately was to go, and it went one time and went in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because the existing fence was on an angle, and we were told to, you know, follow, keep follow that, that line, line. Mm-hmm. keep that line. So we installed, and then it turned out that wasn't the right thing because our client wanted the two inches towards the back of her property that we came in on. So we had to reset the entire fence. Yep. And, and it was a beautiful fence, I have to tell you, Al. It was. Thank it you. was beautifully. It was. It was such a nice fence. What, what happens at projects at this level is that there's quite a bit of precision, if I do say so, and sophistication in the design. And so if these fences aren't uh, perpendicular to each other or they're off by a few degrees in a certain way, they're visually they don't have the same effect as if when they're in, in, in proper alignment. Sure, So right. those two to four inches and that three or four degrees off the back of a house means something carried out 50 feet uh, you know, fifty feet off the house to the back of the property. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see that actually visually as you look out the top, you know, penthouse or top of windows down into your into your space. You're gonna see those inches very quickly. And in this project, the fence was a very key design element as well. It wasn't yeah. just a barrier. It wasn't just for privacy. Probably more time was spent in the design of that fence than in any other element, wouldn't you say, Alice? Yeah. More than the landscape, more than the masonry. It was all about geometry and that's why that fence was so crucial to to getting those that layout perfect. Yep. Um so Al, let's let's talk about some different types of wood and, and materials for fence. What's your favorite? Uh I would say my favorite is Epe. Uh-huh. You know, it's a it's it's the mo it's one of the more difficult ones to work with. 
but um, I know that 20, 20 years after I install it, it's going to probably look just about as good as it did the you know yeah. the day I put it in, except for the fact that it'll be gray, a little grayed mm-hmm. out. Um, but it'll be as hard and, and stable yep. as the day you put it in. And EPA is you know essentially rot proof. It's been declared by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to be. Uh, you know, yeah. be able to bury it in the ground for 30 or 40 years. Well, it has a Class A fire rating, it just does. just like cement. So. so so the house the house could burn down and the fence will be standing there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just to clarify for those who don't know, IPE, which is spelled I-P-E, is a tropical hardwood. That's correct. Right? Yeah. It's an exotic it, hardwood. It's harvested in like... In Brazil. Brazil. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing with regard to, to the, you know, putting up a fence and the kind of perimeter lines is you can't assume that the edge of the house is actually the perimeter line that not at all that doesn't mean anything and that's what part of our problem was in that case that we were talking about earlier is that we were working off the 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 neighboring wall you know where the house right. ended and then met with the other house because we're talking about row houses here in new york city and that was not technically their property line. In fact, their property line went over a little bit into the neighbor's yard. Yep. So that was a little awkward. And even, <laughs> even funnier is when you look at this back of the building, you see the, the paint color change, and there's a line of paint color. And you, you <laughs> yeah. ass- should you assume that's the property line? Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. you should not. <laughs> exactly. Al, Al often asks us, should I, Al, Al starts sentences with, should I assume? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yep, yep. And we don't want, we don't often like to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of neighbors, um, one of the things that Alice and I try to insist with our clients, and I'm sure you do too, Alice, because invariably neighbors that you haven't ever seen, you might have lived there five years, and you haven't seen them or had any dealings with them. As soon as you do any, as soon as you stick a spade in the ground or do any kind of work, they come out literally, you know, to borrow a phrase, out of the woodwork, and then they suddenly care about everything. And we've had situations, and you have too, Al, where a fence is literally falling down, a decrepit old fence and the client or you know their neighbor is wanting to put up a brand new beautiful fence but they are insisting on you know us replacing or you know reinstalling their old horrible fence because it's theirs you know yeah. so we try to stress to our clients but you're going to get a new one you're going to get a new one but <laughs> talk to your neighbors it is not the responsibility of the contractor whoever you hire to be negotiating to be negotiating with your neighbors although many times we ultimately find ourselves in that situation and trying to be decent people and trying to smooth it over so we can also get our jobs done you, so we don't get a work order stop yeah <laughs> but you have to let your neighbors know that this work is being done whatever your relationship is with them you shouldn't spring on them that you're taking down their fence or or altering anything of theirs without their consent or understanding that's right. You don't want their dog coming over to your kiddie pool, right? Uh, because you took their fence down, right? So you have to be prepared once you take it down to also put up a temporary barrier, all that. And what that about sort of thing. what about this? Is always an awkward situation as you're in the middle of construction, and then you get you know three days worth of rain. So there's the, just this open site <laughs> because you haven't yet you've taken down the fence, but you haven't erected the new one. So it's just this free for all, and then there's always the like. Oh my God! I hope there's not a burglar that's like crawling around back here, you know. Right. And now there's no fence to protect, so you're just opening yourself up to such 
liability and legal issues. Yeah, it's a traumatizing experience for some people, some owners to... And for us sometimes yeah. too. <laughs> and you feel exposed, you know? I mean, yeah. if you're used to having, I think, what's the legal uh, code in New York City? Is it five and a half feet? Or six, six feet. Six feet is the highest your fence should be legally, although many people do go beyond that um, and build higher. So if you're used to having sort of walls on all three sides and then all of a sudden you feel kind of exposed mm-hmm. yeah. and you yep. feel very open up, you know, most of the homes that we work on, you know, these people, you know, are do are doing quite well. So it's not like they're living next door to a crack house. Do you know what I mean? So, it, but suddenly they have this like psychological fear of their neighbors and, and the outside world there, that fence is like a psychological protector you know like Mm -hmm. a blanket around them you know so when that's down they're always asking us when's the fence going up how much longer is it going to take you know and that's sometimes why we do that first right get the fence done rebuilt first and then work on all the rest of the parts of the garden yeah and also you know we have to carry these fences through their houses a lot of times so the demo you know you've got what six or eight foot wide panels six feet high yep and you know that's a lot of schlepping and demoing right through their kitchen and dining room and what have you people are unaware the volume of material that has to come in and out of their house just to do something like a fence yeah and then there's you know the fence really opens up pandora's box into foundation walls that are underneath and what's the stability of that? And how is it going to be anchored in? And I mean, it gets really, really well, the, intense. The, the real one of the one of the bigger issues is when, um, you know, your client has put uh, has wants to uh, has to put their fence or their earlier their first fence was on the back of a neighbor's fence. Yeah. So there's only one line of posts right down the middle, supposedly on the property line, often not. Uh huh. And then each. Each party has put their finish fence on those same set of posts. Uh huh. So then the question is, do you have to set a whole new set of posts? It's funny how some people will share posts and others You're won't. Right. Exactly. Isn't that hilarious? I think that's very yeah. telling as to who your client is, in, if they're willing to share in, or not. In Brooklyn, they share a lot more than yeah. in Manhattan yeah. for some reason. Yeah. That's yeah, they're they're willing to lose a few inches. They don't want to touch their neighbor's fence. Or we worked in a situation um, a couple of years ago where um, the neighbor was glaring at us, and the client was a wonderful woman. She was very accommodating. She offered to to put her neighbor up in a hotel for a month while they were doing the work. She was very, very nice, but this neighbor was just not... You know, a, she, a nice person. She her torso was halfway out the window, <laughs> she staring was, at us. She was an, like a 70, 80 year old woman, and her fence consisted of really. Now, this is telling of her too. Pointy, unpeeled picket. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it looked like something out of Jamestown, <laughs> <laughs> and it probably had been there since then. <laughs> since Jamestown. All right. On that note, we have to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Fences in the wrong. Fences in the wrong. Why in 
service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Every Tuesday at 6.30pm, Chef Erica Wides hits the airwaves to become your own personal chef instructor. Chef Wides, along with esteemed guests from the culinary world, dissect topics that range from the complex to the deceptively simple. Combining classic culinary know-how, personal experiences, and the occasional virtual history lesson, Why We Cook is a great listen for culinary vets and rookies alike. Again, that's Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. Hi, you're back listening to We Dig Plants, Heritage Radio Network. We are discussing fences and good neighbors with our great friend and carpenter colleague, Al Terry. Um, that was a song by Phoenix called Fences. I'm sure you've all heard it a thousand times on the top ten radio. <laughs> um some information that we have today from Brooklyn Brownstoner, which is a blog here about Brooklyn real estate. They, they uh, it's where homeowners kind of go to kind of figure out what's going on in their neighborhood, and it's like a question and answer blog about building and construction. So there was a whole um, host of of questions about exactly this topic, fences, and um, there's there's kind of a a myth with regard to this topic that after seven years you can own the piece of property that's that that is not determined on your survey if your neighbor's fence is is encroaching oh so what you're saying is that if you build a fence that's not technically on your property right whatever that little bit is you own it after seven years well it's this is the myth it's called um adverse possession oh if your neighbor doesn't complain for seven years saying hey your fence is on my property line then you technically own it and so there's some dispute about whether or not that's true well it's a state by state law Mm -hmm. um and in most places it's longer than seven years actually and and carmen remember we've hit up against this a few times and al on this one project that we just finished in the fall remember the neighbor kind of kept subtly mentioning this and oh well if if the if the fence is is here then you know this 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 sample or this survey that that you're providing me it doesn't matter because my fence was here and even though it was on your client's property so now i own that you know three extra inches and we kept saying uh you gotta like come up with some paperwork on that Furthermore, right. we're just the contractors and we're not here to dispute that, you know, mm-hmm. take it to a judge. But I, I did some research and I found kind of what the law states on this Brooklyn Brownstoner website. And basically it says you must occupy the property openly and notoriously, which means that you must make no attempt to conceal the fact that you're occupying it. And you must do so adversely to the rights of the owner, which means that you must have his you must not have his permission to be there and pay and not pay any rent you must also pay all the taxes on the land now Hmm. can you imagine that in new york city when we're talking about three inches or four inches the width of a post you know Mm -hmm. being on either side of the property and you're gonna you're gonna allocate a sales or a a a tax to that that's pretty first of all they're not gonna pay they're not going to pay the tax on well, that little bit right. to own it. So somebody so somebody put the fence in the wrong place, Al, basically. 
Yeah. Right? Actually, you know, they started out by saying they wanted something for nothing mm-hmm. by taking the property in the first place. Who said, you know, I wouldn't expect them to pay for it either. Well, yeah. this law was actually um, designed for abandoned properties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you do have some, if you are lucky in New York City to have some open space behind you and you, you know, you take a few inches and... You know, and then a developer buys that piece of property and wants those inches back. That's where it's going to mm-hmm. come into play. The developer is going to pay attention to the survey, Al. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Unlike the typical survey homeowner, says, <laughs> survey says it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to pay attention to every little bit. So the smartest thing that you can do is to pay for a survey, right, Al? I mean, like it's worth paying yeah, an absolutely. engineer or a surveyor before you, you know, before you go building anything. It's going to be a nominal part of the total budget of what you're going to do. Have a survey, and then you have a document that you can use. Absolutely. You know? so if right. a neighbor, in a court of law. Right. If a neighbor has a question saying, why are you building a fence over here? Well, my survey says that I own this space, so I can do it. Then it's up to them to prove that you don't. Right. Exactly. Right? right. And that's the thing. I mean, when these laws were were written, you know, when these surveys were created... Uh, land was was very different then, and things shift over time. It wasn't a thousand dollars a square foot, right. <laughs> right? Right, right. And it does matter. Alice and I always talk about this, Al. That you know, whenever we go visit a site and it looks like it's been abandoned, you know, all that square footage in the back, four hundred square feet or five hundred or six hundred—that's like the typical size. And I think to myself, wow, if that was inside your apartment, you would not right. leave it in that trashy condition. You would fix it you would use it it would be usable space and yet when we when we're talking about the outside maybe it's because it's a function of the northeast and they think they can only use it six months out of the year but suddenly it doesn't have the same value and they're not often as willing to put as much dollars into per square foot that they would indoors sure you know so sometimes there's a little bit of that push and pull yeah about making helping them understand the value of that outdoor space that they have i I think that's changing though i mean i think there's a there's a positive trend in that area where people are much more conscious of the uh improvement in the the quality of their life if they keep their outdoor space uh you know at at a high standard right so tell us um some of the fence Kind of favorites, <laughs> your fence favorites. Yeah, strange stories that you've encountered while fencing well, people in. <laughs> you know, it's 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 most of it is 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 what we've gone over in many respects. I mean, we have set we've it's it's basically the antagonism between neighbors, and this is the focal point. It's almost like the uh, the single child between two two divorced parents or something like that. You know, where this, yeah. the, it becomes it becomes a heated issue, and. Um, and uh, you know we've had to we've we've been we've been involved with pros, with uh, projects in which we uh, at the, we got to the point we had to have the survey done, and then we'd have to move we had to move a fence three or four inches just yeah. to please the uh, you know just to please the uh, the new neighbor who moved in, not an old timer in the neighborhood. You know the old timers tend to respect each other and. And have conversations a, with right, each other. Exactly. Now it's just mine, mine, mine. Right. And yeah. people come in and they they're spending, you know, not two hundred thousand dollars for the browns, and they're spending one point two hundred thousand dollars, one point two million, and so every inch to them means it's just you know 
Right. Or 20 million, as in some of our oh, yeah. clients. <laughs> yeah. You know? I love the lawyer clients too, Al. Don't you love that? Oh, well. <laughs> that's an unwritten rule in construction. <laughs> don't, don't work for an attorney. Yeah. You ever work for an attorney. The red but, line. <laughs> they're the only know. ones that question our contracts. They're like, or yeah. perhaps they're the only ones that actually read them. I, I had one of my clients write a contract for me once. You know, yeah, I just right. used that as a boilerplate for yeah. the next 10 <laughs> Thank years. Thank you very much. <laughs> I took out, it was all, it was totally in his favor, but I over the years, those clauses dropped off. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. So have you, uh, you've built some over-the-top things. Tell us some of, about some of the designs that you've um, um, erected. Well, uh, gee, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the, you know, the very sophisticated and super high-end fencing we've done has been on, on the rooftops of, of buildings in right. in New York City. Certainly, you know, the Park Avenue and the what have you. Um, you know, our, our, our movie star clients um, are o- always, are often concerned about visibility from, a, from afar. Right. So they have to figure out a way to uh, do better than the six-foot fence rule. Uh-huh. And they often will... Um, you know, topper. Put a topper on it. There's a topper. <laughs> uh-huh. And also there's the soft softscape solution, which mm-hmm. is more in your domain. Uh-huh. Which is to plant uh some pretty densely packed uh coniferous trees or fir trees or pine you know, trees in a in a heavy planter. Literally they make I've seen them make a almost a, an outdoor cubicle yeah. out of, hedge. Out of plant, yeah. a hedge. And um uh it's been you know, these are famous people. They don't want you know, Paparazzi, those, those, yeah, those right. shots showing up in uh, you know the uh, you, you know in yeah those, okay in those magazines, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so you're all of a sudden you're like code six foot fence can be eked with a topper another foot, so you've got seven feet, and then depending on what you plant in front of it, you could really get nine ten feet yeah, of people, privacy. Bamboo, people are using yeah. bamboo. That's that's a yeah. one way to do it. So the uh, other thing that I always found really funny is if if the rule is six. feet, feet right top to bottom but where does the bottom start you know yeah. like i always find that like <laughs> we've had those questions loophole yeah. of like but i've got this retaining wall that's three feet so i can put a six foot fence on top of that yep <laughs> and how people the, get creative or the property sloped so on the yeah. east side the fence is up it could be 18 inches higher than the than the west side so yeah and why is issues. it why is six feet the limit, Al? Just for for, for people's edification. That's a very good question. You know, I it, here's the reason. It's that's what the firemen can jump over easily. Oh yeah, that's what that's it's a fire rule, and it's supposed to be what they can jump over easily. You know, I, I um, that's, that's what I heard. That's you know, I've I've heard that um, like uh, what's what happens on on the rooftops of buildings is that when you have a fence, you you need to have a gate. Right uh, between between uh, between you know the general areas, and that gate has to be three feet wide and have seven foot tall clearance, uh-huh. and that's so a fireman in his full gear can run run through that gate. Uh-huh. Otherwise, um, you know he has a barrier to get through. So yeah, anyway, but nobody puts gates on their fences, Al. Right? I mean, I, that's on the ro- yeah we have on roofs you do rooftops, no, yeah. but there's, uh, but there's, a grade it's pretty there's un- some yeah there's some of the older houses or, or of course they're old they're all old old houses. But some of our clients, Carmen, have gates that go through so that the backyards are technically all yeah. open. We've it's, seen that. Yeah, it's rarer now, though. It's like rare. you were saying, the, the old timers, like in Park Slope and stuff, often had gates or they had low fences. And then, um, you know, gates where their children or they could just mingle with their neighbors easily. But now but it I've, is a fire rule. Actually, the, in my building, all of the buildings 
um, in the back, there's a fence. Oh, like that you can go through. You can a go, gate. Yeah, you it, or the fence is very low, right? Because they're old, but you can technically go basically all down our block mm-hmm. on the inside. Well, I noticed a trend. Of course, there's the uh, good old um, uh, chain link fence, right? That we those are the fences that we're usually replacing many times, Al, yep. with nice wood fences. And I noticed a trend. Um, in my neighborhood, when I was a kid, most of the fences were three feet high. So you could see your neighbor yep. and say hi to them. Right. But over the years, as time has passed, the neighbors, the fences have gotten higher and mm-hmm. more opaque. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no sense of community anymore. It's so just people privacy. Don't, yeah. People are in their backyards <clears throat> using their uh-huh. space, but they don't... Many, And we notice this too when we're designing. They'll say... You know, I don't want to be obnoxious, but I, I don't want my neighbors looking at me while I'm yep. eating dinner. And I don't and I don't want to see them because you know? they don't eat dinner. And they, you know? <laughs> they, they, right. don't, they say that when we're, when we're having the preliminary discussions about how do you want to use the space? Who's going to use the space? And when we're thinking about designing it, um, they'll say, I just, you know, we, we always bring up the subject of fences because invariably there is a fence. It's usually decrepit and falling down. And that's usually a big part of the budget. When you have to enclose three sides. So we say, how do you want to handle the fence? Oh, I don't want to see my neighbor. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to make a fortress, but I don't want to see them, you know? And that's a very common comment, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I find that if the fence, I'm six two. So when I, there's a fence, that's only six foot tall. I know that I can almost look over it and see the tops of the guy's head next door. <laughs> yeah. So when I have clients who are like my height or more, uh-huh. I mention that to them and just to sell them the last six inches on the top of their fence so they yeah. can have the privacy that they want. I mentioned that that's, that's, yeah. that's important. Yeah. And then there's, of course, the iron fence, you know, like and now designers and, and architects are really designing very elaborate wood and iron combo fences. Mm. So fences are really becoming big, big ticket items in the overall cost yeah. of but, a garden. But I have to say, there's nothing like a wood fence. You know, I mean, there's now there. I'm seeing all kinds of weird aluminum and all kinds of things that just to me look like ugly. You know, and and not not. Yeah. Foreboding, yeah, foreboding, yeah. and yeah. and just not—it just feels like a park, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? And a wood fence to me is like the quintessential American—the picket fence, the split rail. It's just very homey. <laughs> Can you imagine a split rail in New York City nope. in the backyard? Hey, no, but they're putting one at um, the at old the, stone house. Well, that's a historic mm. site. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, there we saw some brownstones where people had split rail, very open. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that you keeps know. the horses in. <laughs> <laughs> but no one has ever asked us to you know, no one has ever asked us now to say hey you know what I'd really what I'd really like is a uh, split rail fence that my neighbor can just hop over you know, <laughs> yeah. and pick my tomatoes no people are very like yeah you know proprietary well like you right. said it's a thousand dollars a square foot so you know and they've worked very hard for it so they're gonna you know build themselves in and only go out when they need to (laughs) (laughs) in the dark mostly (laughs) yeah yeah well thanks al for joining us unfortunately we're out of time today fences make good neighbors was our topic um if you'd like to see some of al terry's work al what's your website uh it's uh www.alterrydesign.com that's all one word alterrydesign.com and we'll put a link um um to your uh to your website on our facebook fan page 
So thanks for joining us. Um, if you'd like to hear um, an archive, you can go to the website. Um, you can also listen to it on iTunes. Thanks to our sponsor, Whole Foods. Take Thanks to Jack Inslee for engineering and producing. And uh, have a great day. Happy gardening. And fence making. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. The following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something, and it is delicious. The Fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your Fairway honey today. The following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. The Snacky Tunes compilation has arrived and is available for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com. This compilation features live performances from some of the hottest acts around today, including Midnight Magic, Surfer Blood, Oberhofer, and more. Again, you can download this compilation for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com, and make sure to listen to Snacky Tunes every Monday at 2 p.m. on Heritage Radio Network.